So, listen, thank you for doing this. I can't believe that we haven't crossed paths in as many years as you've been doing what you've been doing and I've been doing what I've been doing. No kidding. So, it seems uh, like we run in a lot of the same circles. You would think it would have happened at some uh, point. Uh, I know. It's very rare that I run into somebody who's been doing this for as long as you have and we haven't met. So that's uh, one reason I love the podcast is the ability to do that, meet people that I normally wouldn't and, and also catch up. So we're doing a little bit of both here. Um, uh, again, thanks for coming on. I know you're a busy guy. You've got a number of operations going there. Why don't you run through right off the top how many restaurants, bars, uh, whatever establishments that you, uh, yeah, of course. you've got your hands in. Yeah, I got uh, five of them here in town. Uh, I I like to call it four and a half, but uh, I ran through uh, from the first one uh, was when we opened up Prost, and we opened up that in 2009, and then uh, Interurban, which is on Mississippi Avenue right down the street. Uh, we opened that in 2011, and then uh, we went on to do uh, Stomptisch, uh, which is Northeast 28th and Flanders when we opened that in 2004. Uh, and then, uh, oh, what am I? You mean 14? 14, excuse me. 2000. Yeah, 2014. Yes. Yeah, we didn't go back in time to uh, open that one up. <laughs> uh, also got Bantam Tavern, uh, which what would that have been? Uh, end of 2019, I suppose. He yeah, had timed that one out perfect, opening up right before uh, the pandemic hit and all that fun stuff. You're not the only yeah. one who didn't know that was coming. Yeah, uh, yeah. Banton Tavern, that's up on 21st and Lovejoy in Northwest. And then my half bar, what I like to call it, is uh, Blood Buds, which is our uh, beverage, uh, coffee, uh, cocktails, and craft beer cart that's outside Prost in the Prost Marketplace. So a little additional beverage cart, kind of everything that uh, Prost doesn't do, we do out there in the food truck. Mm-hmm. So what, where did you come up with the idea for Prost? Because I think that is an iconic spot in Portland. It was not only kind of groundbreaking in terms of a pod at the time, but what, what you did as a pod, and now after seeing a lot of pods close, you're still standing and thriving over there. So yeah. talk a little bit about when you had the vision for that and what it was and what you expected, what your expectations were when you opened it. Did you think you'd be sitting here in 2022 talking about well, it? Well, I would, uh, would have hoped that we still would have been open, whether or not any, I thought anybody would care that we were still open. That's another thing, but we are optimistic about it. So it came from um, my business partner. He spent a lot of time growing up in uh, Germany. He's first generation. So he spent all of his uh, uh, summers out in uh, Germany on his grandparents' farm. Mostly doing a lot of labor out on the farm and uh, helping his grandfather out. Uh, but by the time he started coming of age, he, he started to get to go to uh, the local pub and uh, get to enjoy German beer. Uh, you know, over there in Germany, that age is a little little younger and a little uh, more acceptable of teenagers being in the local pub. But anyway, he uh, uh, when he got older, um, he wanted to do a pub of his own, and I met him. And I was a career bartender at that time. I'd been uh, bartending down in Eugene and was thinking about moving up to Portland and really wanted to uh, open up a pub up there. So we talked about it. And so that's the idea that we kind of came up with. It's something that he has had experience with already. And, you know, we thought with Portland, Portland being such a uh, uh, beer town and so many craft microbreweries that are doing so many cool things uh, that, you know, throwing something a little different at them we figured that would be uh, something that they'd be excited about. They're excited about beer first and foremost. Obviously, we're kind of the capital of the IPA around here and everything else. We thought giving them a different option and kind of sticking to our guns about doing something that's uniquely German and purely German, people would be interested in. We figured we could cut out a little corner of the market there. We didn't need to appeal to everybody. We just thought there would be enough people that would be excited about German beer that we'd be able to fill up our small little pub. Uh, turns out we were right, and people were excited about it. And at the time, I came up to Portland, and I spent two years uh, meeting with realtors, touring spaces, trying to find the right location to do something. And then that spot on the corner of Mississippi and Skidmore what was going through a massive renovation at the time. I stumbled upon it. I looked at it before. Uh, but it was a pretty beat down building that needed a lot of work. And for me doing my first bar, 
that was a bit of more of an undertaking that we wanted to do purchasing property. So we had the opportunity mm -hmm. with the landlord uh, taking it over. So I met with him and he told me kind of the vision of what he wanted to do uh, with the, the marketplace out there with all the food carts and everything else. And it kind of just clicked in my brain. It's like, this is great because we're not trying to be a restaurant. We just want to be your, you know, your local German pub where you can come in and great, get great beers. We obviously do have food there, but it's not a primary focus of what we're doing. So the opportunity to, you know, share the space with uh, 10 other food carts at the time was a great opportunity. So I mentioned to the landlord before trying to, trying to sell myself to him, uh, was it's like, Hey, we'll have an open door policy for cart food. As long as they're drinking. Did that, did that take a little research to find out if that was okay to be, have people coming in and out? Uh, a little bit, but I had a gut feeling that that was going to be okay. Uh, and turned out and my landlord was shocked. He's like, he's like, no way. That's incredible that you'll allow people in. I'm like, yeah, we just want to, you know, sell beer first and foremost. It's perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. Turned out at the time it was a revolutionary idea. Uh, you know, yeah. we didn't, you know, I didn't really think much of it at the time, except for it just, you know, came into my brain. It's like, this could be an amazing opportunity where people don't necessarily want all of our German food, you know, German cuisine is kind of a niche market, especially with the technology that we have at first to be able to prepare it. It wasn't going to be a high end uh, food. We, we do prepare some great locally sourced product, but we don't have a grill. We don't have a deep fryer. We don't have an oven, Well, we got a toaster oven, but that's about it. So we run out everything out of that. So being able to have that opportunity for people to come and share and, you know, pack out a little, little German pub, but not be pigeonholed to having to uh, eat German food, uh, I thought it was a great opportunity. I always thought about my days back in high school when, you know, you and all your buddies were going to lunch and you couldn't decide where you're going to go. And you go to the, go to the, uh, uh, go to the mall and go to the food court because you had a bunch of different mm -hmm. options. And so that way everybody was happy. You could get your pizza, your burgers, your tacos, whatever you wanted. And so I figured that, why can't that work for adults in a bar? And while this was also, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, which is often, but this is kind of before the advent of food cart pods, right? You were, that was, that was a True. relatively new thing uh, at the time. So, yeah. you know, that obviously took the place of the mall food court in portland in a big way so thank god for uh, that yeah well nobody wants to go last time you were uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah i haven't been in years yeah our original landlord who was a developer he was originally going to flatten the building that post is in now and build a mixed-use high-rise but once again that was back in 07 08 when uh the market fell out and everybody was losing all their money all the banks were pulling back and they couldn't get any funding. So this was a secondary concept for him to actually develop. And that's what's unique about it. Of course, back then there was definitely plenty of like cart pod ish things, but they're just, you know, abandoned parking lots downtown for the most part where they just stacked a bunch of carts in there. They weren't really built to be mm -hmm. built, built to be a cart pod where, uh, where we're at was actually built and designed for the specific use of being a cart pod. So that was uh, a unique experience. Thank God the housing market fell out, at least for me. You know, a lot of people probably weren't so happy about that. But uh, for me, uh, it, it turned out incredible that we were able to have that uh, opportunity to salvage that building that's been there since uh, it was built in 1894. Well, but also that is a, you know, you had to earn that because that's a testament to you. If you hadn't been successful there, sure. then it would have been an opportunity a few years later for your landlord, I'm, I'm guessing, to come in and say, well, this is the best use to this. I can go back to my original idea a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, of course. Yeah, fortunately, you, yeah, we're uh, successful out of the gates, and so were the food carts. Uh, we had some amazing food carts in there back then, and still to this day, we got fantastic operators in there. But the mutual success that we both have uh, is what's made the thing so popular. Our success benefits them. The busier they are, the busier we are. And so it was a mm -hmm. symbiotic relationship that worked out perfectly. And uh, here we are. 
Well, and it's kind of the Portland way, right? I mean, if you've got some synergy going on and some um, everybody's supporting one another, that is really how this yeah. city, in its heyday, I don't know if we're still in our heyday. We're coming back Portland, to that, I think. The, I think we're, you I think, think we're, so? Good. I, I think we're to, still hanging in there. Yeah, I would. I think so, too. It's just, you know, you're talking about a lot of different people now yeah. and, um, and uh, a slightly different game right the cost of entry is definitely higher with respect to brick and mortar just to get into there and secondly um you tell me you know you're around it more than i am but i would imagine it's way more expensive to be a food cart operator now with crime and all the shit you're dealing with and labor and it's it's just not as easy to sell a and, and i've noticed you know what was a Seven eight dollar sandwich is now a thirteen fourteen dollar sandwich, yeah. and that's across the board. Sure, yeah, too. you're not you're not exactly getting the uh, super old school discount for eating out of food cart anymore. It still is very affordable, right. um, relatively speaking, but the prices have definitely gone up. And you know the newer carts with the you know uh, the newer lots coming out, you know with better amenities and nicer food carts that aren't. Not like they were all old, old and dingy back in the day, but the food cart game mm-hmm. has, uh, you know, stepped up. We actually, have professional builders building out these food carts that are better than a lot of, you know, commercial brick and mortar uh, kitchens. Uh, it's pretty phenomenal what they have. Obviously, with the demand of the food cart culture around here, uh, rents have gone up. We try to keep ours uh, reasonably priced at, uh, at in the price marketplace because. We want success for them because success for them is success for us. Um, so we're not trying to uh, make a huge profit off of them. We're just trying to, you know, pay our mortgage and um, give them the opportunity to succeed and do really cool things where they're not trying to relocate. They don't need to go into a brick and mortar where the rents are going to be three times the price minimum and be able to create good product in a good environment where. People are happy to be and actually go out of their way to go to, not just hitting up your local food cart out of convenience. It's actually a destination, uh, which didn't necessarily be, used to be the case. Except for, you know, there's a yeah, handful that's... of exceptions, obviously, that, you know, people were going to noms from all over the place back in the day, but that wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, the case for every downtown restaurant. It seems like a lot of people that were supporting those food carts were the people that worked in the tower next door or around the corner. Or, or was it or PSU or something? Sure. So that begs the question I was going to ask you before. So thank you for coming back around to this. When you originally were looking at real estate and you were looking at that corner on Mississippi and, and Shaver, what Skidmore, was, but yes. what was your Mississippi? Oh, Skidmore. I'm sorry. Skidmore, yeah. I'm sorry. Close. Um, what was your impression then? You know, what was the neighborhood like? And obviously now, and I think a lot of it has to do with you and your success. Everybody would know where that is. Sure. And I would imagine when you opened, you kind of, there were a lot of people who were like, I got an idea where Mississippi is, but where on Mississippi is that? Yeah, you um, know, it, it was really interesting. You know, Mississippi was coming, you know, it was coming up, you know, it was starting to happen. So, we didn't, you know, change the world or make Mississippi what it was. We participated in it. Obviously, having like, uh, you know, Porque No down the street, Crowbar was existing, Fresh Pot with all its Stumptown coffee, and lovely Hula Hands was down there. So things were starting. That was my first experience over there. And then Teote, or is that, there was a Mexican place up in that neck of the woods, a little bit north, north. but uh, there, we're, we're Victoria now. It wasn't Teote. It was uh, what was it before it became Luchador? It was Luch- uh, I, I don't yeah. know. But I had a little experience up there. I never lived in those areas, sure. that area, anyway. But so. we were excited about the neighborhood. It was much rawer back then uh, than it is now. But that's for certain. Um, it was a little spottier. Uh, you know, how many businesses were on there and how many of them were thriving and, you know, certain areas, you know, weren't, you know, weren't overly safe. Uh, but something that we did help with is kind of connecting that, kind of bookending uh, the block, really kind of uh, drawing things up the street and really connecting the, uh, the whole vibe of that, you know, what is it, seven blocks between us and pretty much Pork and No, uh, where that's at mm-hmm. at the end of the block. 
and it really kind of tied the whole street together and sort of uh, and the food cart pod was instrumental on that as well so to see the development of the street it hasn't I like to say it hasn't changed all that much i mean it's cleaner it's safer and everything else but it's still you know has a similar vibe where it's not not everything has been torn down and built into a mega complex there are a handful of them for better or worse because some of those things were you know empty lots that were just pretty much trash dumps so uh you know right i don't love you know massive apartment buildings as much as the next guy but they're important and um you know as long as they're not tearing down beautiful old victorian homes to build in these megaplexes you know it's, um, people like to live in uh you know cultural centers where there's cool things going on and cool neighborhoods but yeah back in the day man i remember i was living up in northwest at the time temporarily i just moved from alberta and i was living in northwest portland and a lot of times i'd take a cab over uh, cause we're just getting the bar open. So I was there every night, all night, some nights, you know, I just wanted to go there and have, have some beers and be able to chat with people. So I'd leave my car there or I'd not even take my car there in the first place. And so I take, you know, I have to take a radio cab, you know, that crazy old radio cab before the life of Uber and Lyft, you know, there used to be taxis around here, but I'd get in my taxi. And every time I got in it, I'd say, take me to Prost. You know, they didn't have apps and all that stuff on their iPhone, the direction oh, yeah. and stuff. And they're like, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's a bar on Mississippi and Skidmore. And they're like, uh, how do I get to Mississippi? And so I did it jokingly, but <laughs> as a point. And so I'd have to give them directions on the quickest way to get to Mississippi and blah, blah, blah. Now, you know, anywhere you're in the city, you just like, oh, take me to Prost. And they're like, gotcha, cool. You know, they know where Mississippi was at. Back then, you know, Mississippi is kind of a tricky neighbor. It's it's extremely easy to get to, um, but it's kind of confusing because it's not a whole lot of major through streets that take you directly to Mississippi. So, right. I used to find it a little confusing. Where is it? Is it? Do I have to go left here or do I have to go right? Because there's I, not really like strong perpendicular streets that run perpendicular with it. Exactly. I mean, even going down Alberta, you don't turn on Mississippi. You turn on Albina that turns into Mississippi. So, right. but now everybody in the city knows where Mississippi's at. And I, yeah, all like, you know, now the street fair brings in 30,000, people to the street, you know, every summer for one day, which is crazy. Uh, but yeah, it's been awesome to see. And, and uh, it's my favorite neighborhood in, in the city, not just because I have a few bars on the street, but. And, and I live here in the neighborhood, uh, but I really love the concise nature of it, where there's lots of really cool streets. And uh, here on the, especially on the east side, you know, some of the more popular ones like Alberta, fantastic, lots of cool stuff up there. Uh, Division, mm -hmm. amazing restaurants and bars. But those streets are long, man. You can't, you don't just get out of a cab and just walk that whole street. I mean, you can, but you're not, you know, you're going to get your workout in and, the long winters around here, rain trying to walk a mile to the other end of the neighborhood is, can be difficult. But Mississippi is a concise seven blocks. It has extended a little bit, you know, to the north on Albina. We got, you know, Victoria Bar, which is great. Uh, they're doing really well up there. And then Sweetie D's just right up the road from them. Now we've expanded down a little bit to like where Ecliptic Brewing is, going down towards Widmer Brothers. So it's not mm -hmm. just the seven blocks, but the seven blocks that I'm talking about are really concise and a lot of cool stuff, a lot of cool shops. And it's just a great walking neighborhood. So couldn't be more stoked to, you know, have the great fortune, to, you know, to land that spot up there on the corner. Because um, those locations like that in the city don't exist anymore. You couldn't pay for it, you know. The, well, now, yeah, now you're going to pay for it. So that... That leads me to uh, Stomtisch. Yeah. And am I pronouncing it correctly? Yeah. Because sometimes... Stomtisch, so, yeah. Uh, Stomtisch, yeah. Yeah, Stomtisch. Don't call yeah. it sandwiches so, or, you know, and, and sandwiches. No, people, people. we know not to do... We know that we don't want to confuse that. But I will say I've been there a couple of oh, times. Right and um, um, and every the, the two times I've gone, I thought, man, this is the... 
This is kind of, and I know it's not a sleeper place because it was crowded, but for me, I didn't hear about it a lot. It's not chef driven, mm-hmm. and that's probably why I hadn't, but I thought it was some, one of the best places I'd been to at the time. This was a while ago. I appreciate ago. it. My, 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 my chef would uh, you know, beg to differ with you, but hopefully he won't listen to this podcast and hear you talking shit about him. Why would I? I wasn't talking shit. <laughs> Not chef driven. Well, what this was way. This was bad. How long have you? How long has he been there? Uh, he's been there since day one. Uh, oh, chef okay. Cheney, so. Well, yeah. Well, so here's the thing. Uh, you, as far as I can see, and I don't have a great memory going back too far. So when you opened it, I'm sure chef was mentioned, sure. and I just don't remember. But it's since he's been there so long, you haven't had turnover to turn news. Turn it into news. So there's that too. We, we just, Let's we look just at it that the way. A little bit right there, I suppose. But yeah, right. But I wouldn't know his name or, or hers. So or I don't. So, um, but my point is um, that I think it's fantastic. And if he's still there, it's got to still be what it was when I was there. At least as yeah. good, getting better with with staff. And uh, I remember telling a lot of people about it afterwards. You got to go there, and it was as though you know I just discovered it. So I'd heard about it, but um, oh. and I kind of li- I I do like German food. I've been to Germany, and that's some of my favorite food. Right on. So yeah, um, German food's really not necessarily for everybody, and a lot of people I think have a negative perception of German food as well. Um. Just, what is that negative perce- I, I, perception? I, I, just that it's not that that interesting. I, I think so. You know, nowadays we're all about you know a lot more spice, a lot more uh, you know Thai flavors, Mexican flavors, the sweet, the sour, the spicy. Where German is a little bit more meat and potatoes, you know, if you will. But I think mm-hmm. everybody that comes in there is pleasantly surprised. They're like, oh my god, that schnitzel is absolutely amazing, or the, the schweinoxen that we're doing. Or the trout dishes, the sour broughton. It's not the old school, you know, um, uh, kind of stuffy, you know, cheesy um, oompa band playing all, all the time. Uh, it's you know, it's a Portland Portlandized German restaurant that you know, chef uses a lot of uh, French techniques. He came over. He was a big regular of mine, a person in urban at the time. Uh, became a good friend of mine. He was the chef de cuisine at St. Jack uh, since the beginning. And what's his name? Graham, so we can welcome yeah, him. Chef Graham Cheney. Graham Cheney. All right. I've heard of that name yeah. before. Welcome, Graham, if you're listening to Right at the Fork. <laughs> we appreciate you you coming in here. But yeah, it was a cool opportunity, and we've had a great run there. We People are really excited about it every time they come in. Uh, we have tons of regulars, but it's a citywide destination. You know, we're known as the premier German restaurant great, in the city. It's a really great location, I think. It's clo- you know pretty close to Burnside and Twenty Eighth over there, so it's you know you can walk over or just jump over sure. and. It's a- as I recall, you, one can find parking. It's never easy in Portland, sure. but if you if you stick with it, you can find a yeah, spot. Yeah, it's not, not too bad. That, that's me. I'm not a neighborhood guy. I have to drive to everywhere that I go. So parking to me is generally a, a, an issue. So um, I think about that kind certainly. of thing. Certainly. But yeah, it's been awesome over there. It's a great neighborhood. Lots of great restaurants and bars on that 28th Street um, and anywhere nearby that neighborhood. Tons of cool things to walk around and bar hop, restaurant hop, do whatever. Uh, but yeah, locking that thing down on the corner. What we wanted to do with that spot is, you know, we had had massive success with Prost already at that point. Prost had been open for close to five years. And uh, we were like, when are you going to open up another Prost? Because Prost is too busy. I don't want to go there anymore. It's too popular. I hate that. Mm. Uh, you know, that that uh, that damned if you do kind of a level of success. And so me and my business partner were talking about it. And we're like, yeah, we need a, a The city needs another location. We have the room for growth. We want to do it. We're kind of solidified with what we're doing here. And kind of my idea that I pushed him on was really wanted to do something different that wasn't just prose. You know, not try to recreate uh, something that was so magical uh, that we had up on Mississippi. So I wanted to, uh, you know, change that and kind of do a different formula and do more of the German vegetable where it's more of a restaurant, more food focused. And be able to explore German cuisine because we could get 
get, you know, people would talk shit about us online every now and again on Yelp. Most of our reviews were phenomenal, but people were like, uh, you know, great spot, amazing service, it's beautiful, the beers are amazing, but it's a shit restaurant. And it's like, damn it, we're, we're not a restaurant. We never claimed to be. We right, never tried that, to be. We're a neighborhood pub. There's a lot of great food carts yeah. around here. That was the, kind of the idea. Yeah. So, you but get you two could, stars on Yelp they, with a glowing review, except for don't go here for Valentine's Day dinner. It's like, well, right. I think that's more on you for you know, not realizing that from the get-go. It's like mm-hmm. you can see our kitchen. That's right in that back corner. <laughs> you know, I call it our dorm room kitchen over there. But so this this was your way of uh, a little bit of revenge <laughs> to say, okay, we can do food. Yeah, and um, and having you know, chef approached me once the news came out. There was uh, Michael Russell wrote an article on the Oregonian about us finding the spot. So we hadn't even figured out everything. Didn't have didn't have a chef or anything at the time that the article came out, uh, but. As soon as that article came out, I ran into Graham at the bar, and he's like, I want to talk to you about Stompish. And I'm like, huh? He's like, I want to talk to you about being the chef there. And I'm like, uh, I absolutely. You know, you and Aaron Barnett run St. Jack, one of my favorite restaurants in the city. And your pedigree and your talent level, you could take us to the level that we want to be at. And he took us there and beyond. So couldn't be happier with that joint. Great. So, what are you? Um, what are your aspirations going forward? You got a few good spots. Um, there's, I wouldn't say there's a vacuum now, yeah. but th- I think there's opportunity because a lot of the the folks who, you know, the what do we call them? I don't like to use. There's certain terms I don't, I don't like to use, but the the people who are really prominent who had a lot of restaurants, the sure. you know John Gorham and Vitaly's gone. I've said this over and over, so, totally. so I'm, I'm a little tired of yeah, saying yeah. it. But um, but we do have some new players who are doing some great totally. things, and and you're one of them. And so um, do, is that important to you? Yeah. So I always wonder. I always wonder. You you have no gray hairs. A, a few. few. That I can see a few, mostly in the beard. But you're not. But at some point, are you not? Restaurant business isn't easy. Of course. Um, Are you not satisfied (laughs) with with four four and a half headaches uh, that can happen daily, or do you want you know and the revenue thereof, or is that something you want to keep going? When when I first opened up Prost, I'm like, this is going to be the coolest fucking thing ever. I'm not sure if we're supposed to say the f word on this one. Oh yeah, no, you're Um, fine. But, you know, I never, never thought, you know, I was so excited to have this opportunity to open up a bar. This was my dream. I was like, man, if I can make like sixty, seventy thousand $70,000, man, I'm going to be set. I'm going to bartend all the time. This is going to be great. And then the snowball started rolling. And I had the opportunity uh, to open up Interurban. Me and John Gorham were hanging out and, and talking, drinking beer one day, uh, and I'm, Kept on hanging out and talking about stuff. And then uh, lovely, lovely hands moved out of that building where an urban now is. And we're like, we should do something there. Uh, we just started talking. We didn't have a concept. We didn't have any idea what we wanted to do. But we, I loved that building. And so took the opportunity to um, talk to talk to the Mannix, you know, who own Lovely's 50-50 now. And because uh, they still owned the building at the time, and they were ecstatic to have us move in because they were just opening up Lovely's Fifty Fifty at the time. And then, um, we're like, man, if we could, we were huge fans of Lovely Fifty Fifty back then. And we're like, if we could just be the waiting room for them, you know, we're gonna have success. So mm-hmm. then, next thing I know, I have two bars, and then. Well, what I, we don't stop there though, because just the waiting room. You built this gorgeous bar. <laughs> There, that I—I I mean, when I first walked in, I thought, "Holy shit! Look at all—all all the wood in here, and how beautiful it is!" You didn't just build a waiting room, <laughs> of course. You—you built—you built a beautiful of bar. Of course. Well, it was, you know, it was me and me and John Gorm. We had high aspirations for what we could do, uh, and that was a big buzz back then too. And then there was buzz when that relationship kind of fizzled yeah I yeah think, i mean it, it's what it is yeah obviously you attach john gorm's name to anything and it's going to get some hype around it you know i'm just the you know a 30 year old kid that just opened up this german beer bar that nobody knows why he did it um but they got success out of it 
and had the opportunity to work with somebody like John. So yeah, we had this vision for a rustic and what we call it as a, a modern, modern American uh, saloon. Just want to have this old vibe. I want to be cocktail focused with great food. Um, you know, great everything. It's just pretty much what inner urban is, is what I like. It, it looks mm -hmm. the way I like the thing, things to look and everything tastes the way I like things to taste. Obviously, I don't create everything and I don't have final decision on, you know, I don't tell the chef and uh, our bar managers how to, you know, hone in their craft and what, what everything needs to taste like. But the general kind of vibe of it is going on things just that I like and turns out, uh, you know, fortunate, you know, 11 years later, people like similar things that I like. Um, we ripped that thing apart and, you know, it looked nothing like it did in there, uh, like it does today, but it was just a great building and, you know, great, uh, guts to build something. So we pretty much designed that, uh, the interior just to kind of match the exterior. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that's something that's important with everything that I do is have congruency between the interior and exterior, um, and be able to. You know, it doesn't feel weird walking into a modern building and have it somehow have this faux rustic nature on the inside or vice versa. So taking mm -hmm. cues from the exterior of the building um, uh, and then just working with some cool people and just having some good designs. We just designed it ourselves for the most part. We had help, but, you know, most of the bars, like, me and my team just kind of draw it down on paper and find somebody who can build it and execute it. But being... Well, nice, nice job. Today you might have a hard time finding someone to actually execute that. No, for sure. Uh, in today's, but we've had phenomenal so bartenders and chefs come through there that you know put their own stamp on it and uh, do phenomenal things. So uh, it's been kind of a late night industry standard uh, place for bartenders uh, uh, since we've opened. Uh, come in there, you can get a, get a cheap beer and a tequila, or you can have a you know hundred a shot of bourbon that costs hundreds of dollars and the nicest cocktail something for everybody you know one of my key components of opening up my first cocktail bars i was experiencing some cocktail bars in the city and across the country that i just didn't enjoy all that much walked in there they had phenomenal cocktails but you know it's just like the stuffiness this air um around a bartender that's kind of an it's more of an art show than a bar experience i'm a bar guy uh you know through and through so it's about having a comfortable casual experience and be able to drink nice things and have great food uh but have it you know presented in an unpretentious boring kind of way after you know a couple experiences you know ordering a cocktail trying out this new bar and you know sitting there for five to ten minutes waiting for this cocktail and the bartender walks away and I get no interaction with the bartender. I just like afterwards, I'm like, just give me a bottle of Budweiser, man. I, I'm sick of waiting. This isn't fun anymore, you know? And uh, so that's what inner urban was all about. Anyway, I kind of went down the rabbit hole there a little bit on you, but it's all, it's all, oh, it's no, I'm, I'm personally all about rabbit holes. So I really like to hear someone going yeah. into it because, uh, you know, if, if I opened up a new bar for every bad experience or a new restaurant, uh, I'd be, you know, uh, I'd be a kingpin somewhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, yes, anyway, to go uh, down the story, which, which, and I'll make the rest of this show a little bit more brevity here is, had had the stompish experience, and then uh, had the opportunity to open a Bantam Tavern with a few guys. You know, I just knew Franz, who owns Laughing Planet, because uh, him being uh, Austrian, he is a big fan of Prost, and so uh, he was a regular in there. And we we're sitting around one day, and I'm like, "Man, I'm jealous of your spot on 21st and uh, Lovejoy. Whenever you want to get out of it, I'll buy it from you." Just joking, and uh, it's like. Uh, he's like, actually, he's okay. like, okay. And I'm like, huh? And he's like, well, we're actually moving across the street because have a, uh, we need a bigger space uh, and have a bigger kitchen, a bigger prep area because Bantam Tavern, why well, it's called Bantam Tavern is because it's like a small chicken because it's very small but a feisty bar. Punches out of its weight mm -hmm. class. That's where the, kind of the name of the uh, bar came from. So, yeah, all of a sudden we're like, oh, crap. I guess I'm opening up another bar. 
which you know didn't really have any necessarily intention or drive to do, but had a great opportunity. So I invited a few buddies to join me on it, and uh, we did that. Phantom is very similar to uh, Interurban. I don't know if you've been there, but kind of similar vibe, uh, just kind of on a smaller scale. Uh, mm -hmm. But the building is beautiful. Once again, old historic brick building. You can see the theme rolling here. That's that makes four of my buildings that are, you know, either late 1800s or early 1900 brick freestanding buildings. Um, uh, so yeah, that was that's been a fun spot, and people really love it up there. We just wanted to give that neighborhood kind of a middle of the road bar. Uh, I always thought that. Northwest had a ton of really nice restaurants and, you know, restaurant bars and then really great mm. dive bars. I love them both, but I, I like the middle of the road. I like the casual, but, uh, you know, uh, I heard, uh, you know, this is uh, something that I, uh, a term I'm uh, stealing from a bar in uh, Barcelona um, called Two Schmucks. And what they, I've always kind of joked around about calling interurb and the dive bar. And people are like, dude, your interurb is not a dive bar. And my staff gets really mad at me. And I go through this long dialogue and debate about why I kind of consider it a dive bar because it's for everybody and it's kind of just fun and ca fast, casual, but with really fancy things. It's just, and so two schmucks out in uh, Barcelona, unfortunately, sounds like they're closing down, but it's one of the top bars in the world. Uh, but they, they're, their slogan was five star dive bar. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I've been trying to say. You know, I, I've been to Barcelona a lot. I've never been there. So uh, I'm sorry to hear it's, it would be closing I down. They just got but, ranked um, right before they closed. They were ranked like the fifth best bar in the, on the planet. So I was going to, I wanted to ask you what your, uh, whether you have the opportunity to travel quite a bit internationally or even nationally, yeah. you got bars, you want to go check some new places out. What, what kind of places have you been that you like the best and where would you like to go? That oh you man, I've been, uh, yeah, I, I travel a fair amount. Uh, now that, you know, all the bars are kind of up and running and I get a little bit more free time. Um, and also I'm not a broke you know, broke college bartender anymore. I can afford to do some things here and there. Um, I just got back from, uh, I was in Germany for about a week and a half, uh, hanging out uh, with some breweries and doing some really cool stuff, seeing some cool people, seeing some old friends out there. Uh, I go to Germany about every year, so year to year and a half, uh, I would say. Had a phenomenal time out there. Do you, do you bring Graham? Does Graham? I took Graham over uh, once, yeah. Yeah, I, good. So he gets a little taste. Generally, of it. yeah, I always take one of my uh, managers that's got you know kind of tenure around there, uh, give them the, the experience. And so Graham was important for us to take him out uh, early on because having experienced German cuisine a little bit, and actually set him up at a uh, set him up for a stage at this amazing restaurant in uh, Eing, where Eing Eing Brewery is at. It's a phenomenal restaurant. Uh, in this very small town. So I set him up with the stash because it kind of goes through the brewery. And so he got to go in there and spend a day in the kitchen working with them. He had a good old time. He ended up just going in there and pounding schnitzels for like eight hours. And, that <laughs> and he's like, wow, that's great. I flew all the way to Germany to get a stack of a stack of veal and pork loin to hammer out in the back room by myself. But he had a great time chatting with some people. And then, you know, he got to have dinner that uh, that night, and then we both went out there the next day and had this amazing like five course meal um, for his efforts. But yeah, we got to go around to eat all over town and uh, eat all over uh, Bavaria for the most part. 
mostly in Munich, but uh, Stuttgart and a couple other places as well. But having that experience and, you know, getting to see, not just taste the cuisine, which is extremely important, but understand what the eating culture, eating and drinking culture is like out there um, is an important aspect to kind of gain it, get, the, get that perspective. So that's why it's important to take the managers out there. Um, all of my GMs uh, get to go out there. It's not every year. Uh, sometimes I send two of them. Sometimes I go along with them, but it's a really cool experience. So I'd like to do that as much as possible. Uh, this, did you get to travel a lot as a kid? No, where you, no, you grow up? I grew up, up? I grew up in up? Eugene. Oh, but at the end of that Germany okay. trip, that's where I went to Spain. Uh, my first time being there. So I spent mm-hmm. a week in Spain after, after doing all my hard, diligent work in Germany and drinking beer, you know, important market research, you know, that has to be done every now and again. Oh, I, I know all about that. I don't know. You don't know me very well, but, you know, I've been doing trips and I always do a little market research yeah. along the way. Yeah, so, I went to Barcelona, so, so I, I get did that. get to go to Two Schmucks before they closed down. And it is a five-star dive bar. The cocktails were absolutely stunning and it was a great experience. And then did uh, four days in San Sebastian, just eating and drinking and hanging out. It was pretty phenomenal. We, I just did four days a month ago in San Sebastian. We'll be doing it again in April. So four days uh, like a month ago. That, yeah, Man, I, we go. So we do a trip with uh, Urdaneta. Oh, cool! Right on. Uh, and we're we've done two this year, and we got one coming next year, and hopefully more in the yeah, future. We nearly, so, we yeah, nearly four, crossed paths on uh, San Sebastian. I think I got back like two months ago. So we're at there some oh, more okay. times. Anyway, well, it's a great it's a great place to go if you're into food and you're in the neighborhood, which would be you know if you're in Munich, you can jump over there pretty easily. Absolutely. So, but to, yeah, to answer your question, well, yeah, I'm from Eugene, but I'm the youngest of four. Um, my parents are uh, both PE teachers; they're retired now, but they're uh, phys ed teachers. Um, and me being the youngest of four and two big older brothers kind of like myself you know i'm six six they're like both six three uh yeah we didn't get a we didn't get a lot of uh european travel and anything else like that growing up did did you get a ton of pressure on you because you know for in sports you're six six you got parents who are into sports uh did you excel? Did you care? I, I, I have a son who's also six six and didn't care about <laughs> sports, and he took a he. It was it was a rough ride for him because everybody wanted him to play, yeah. and uh, wasn't wasn't his deal. Oh, so I did. I, what, did. Yeah, me and all my siblings were very involved in the sports. Uh, you know, I played every sport known to man, going uh, up until at least high school when I trimmed it down to just uh, football. And I was really getting into skiing at the time. So, but yeah, sports were really important for all of us. And since we didn't travel all that much, and we didn't have all the money in the world to be able to do it with, uh, you know, six of us, six of what? us in the family. But also summers were, you know, my brothers, my brother was playing baseball and, you know, sister was doing like summer track where all of our traveling was the local meets and games and everything else like that. So, right, it was great. that's travel, but it's a different, different sort kind of, of travel. It's a lot of, a lot of subways, yeah. a lot of subway sandwich shops. <laughs> yeah, and, pretty much. Yeah, I didn't exactly <laughs> see the, I didn't hear the Giza or the Eiffel Tower, but you know, I saw the football games and everything else. Right. But, yeah, we had a great childhood, but it, it was tons of fun. But yeah, after that, uh, I stopped playing. Yeah, you know, I didn't play sports in college. I didn't actually go to university. I carried on my ski career and moved down to Squaw Valley after high school and uh, con- uh, competed in skiing uh, for a handful of years before I finally kind of gave up and moved back to uh, Oregon and started bartending. And then now here I am. So worked, worked, oh, fantastic. worked out pretty well. well. Hey, you're a champion, yeah. man. You've, you're, I think you've you got a lot of success and uh, whatever success you – you, what's the word in skiing to divert? I know there's one, but anyway, whatever success yeah. that you, where you took a left turn or a right yeah. turn, this is yeah, right yeah. at the fork for there a reason. Go. I've uh, definitely had more success you've, in you've uh, ju- uh, owning bars than I did in skiing, so I guess that's a that's a positive. 
Well, yeah, but you never really followed that through, mm-hmm. uh, right? I mean, there was a reason you stopped, but still, you would have had to go a few more yeah. years to get to to get to the top of the mountain. So yeah, I was a little shy of my prime when I finally, you know, wrapped it up. I came back to Oregon, started bartending. I, I would still do some traveling to compete, but uh, but it started it started falling off at that point. So are you able to step back and look at it and think about the um, just the impact that you've had on people's lives? And I don't mean to dramatize it, but I believe this because when I moved to Portland, it was one of the things that impressed me was uh, going to restaurants where people had a lot of passion. And, and there were experiences that changed, you know, that were, may not have changed someone's life, but it was a, you know, I have had so many great, afternoons, evenings, mornings in restaurants with friends talking that, you know, you got a, you got a meeting place sure. where a lot of people meet and it, it, it's a big part of their lives. Do you, are you able to take stock of that and appreciate that uh, beyond the mechanics of a business and, you know, the art of what you have? I sure. guess one, one might refer to it as. Yeah, I mean, I do. Yeah, I'm very proud um, of what I've been able to accomplish so far. Um, I'm always trying to, you know, get better and uh, improve upon what we're doing, but it is um, immensely satisfying to see all those regulars and see people coming into your establishment and really truly enjoying what, what you do. Um, It's, it's pretty, pretty amazing to um, see that on a daily basis and feel uh, partially responsible for the, that experience that they're having. You know, the most important thing for me, you know, once again, I'm a bartender. I'm not a businessman. Uh, I'm not much of a bartender anymore, but that's how I kind of came well, in. Well, you are a businessman. I guess yeah. so. That's just by default, I suppose. Um, but, you know, being able to create that experience, that starts with the staff. And uh, I've had the great opportunity to hire and work with phenomenal people that, uh, do some make the place what 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 they are today. You know, it starts with the managers, and then then our just general staff from from the front of the house to the back of the house. That's where people get that experience. And once we hire those people and get that ball rolling, it kind of it snowballs from there. And then all of a sudden, you start getting the greatest regulars possible. Uh, you get the coolest people coming in here, and it just evolves. Uh, and that's what's the most special to watch when when everything gets rolling and it's just this perfect movement of then it doesn't stop with, you know, doesn't even start with me anymore. And, you know, it, it goes from, from me all the way down to the random regulars that, you know, show up a few, a few days a week. That's what makes it special. And we can't do that without uh, having a phenomenal staff set the table for it. Not to quote you know, Danny Meyer or anything. Thread, no, and you can quote him. Um, um, the common thread that I have recognized uh, over it's been now 12 years since I've ponied up to the um, to the Portland food scene is that uh, and it's something as someone who has never, you know, haven't worked in a restaurant since uh, Richard Nixon <laughs> was in office. I, I admit and I used to sh- I shamefully admit that now I'm ha- I'm happy I have some wisdom. But um one of the things that I see all the time is what drives all of you is the interest in pleasing people. 100%. If you didn't have that interest, you just couldn't do it day after You're in the day. wrong business. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. You got to want to please people. Uh, you have to be really into hospitality. And let's face it, we've seen the people who really aren't that hospitable, who just can't find their way, 100%. right? So. So there's passion there. And then what I think is great that you've recognized, and it's the thing that I recognized when I started doing Portland Food Adventures years ago, and I had no clue. It was uh, Originally, it was about, for me, oh, food and chefs. But then it became the table and ha- seeing people have a great time and enjoy themselves and make new friends. There was that experience that I hadn't taken into account when I first started it. So... It's really cool. And you've got one of the things that I know about German culture is that the pub, you know, the, the, how th- things, how people uh, generate a certain camaraderie around. No, 100%. And, and, and food. So you've got, you've got that dialed yeah. in. That's, That's why great. I always call it the pub as well. You know, I don't, I don't 
when I'm talking to you know a friend on the phone, or be like, I don't say let's go down to the bar. You know, I say let's go down to the pub. You know, pub pub being mm-hmm. short for public house. That's what we're looking to achieve. Mm-hmm. It's it's not just a drinking place. It's a communal community space. Um, obviously, imbibing is generally involved, but it's not purely what it's about. It's about getting together, meeting with friends, making new ones, or or just hanging out and chatting with the bartender all night. Right, a place, a great place to go. So, speaking of which, I didn't plan on that segue, but I do would like to hear from you. You've been around. Where are some of your favorite haunts in ah. uh, in Portland? Where do you like to hang out? Oh, that's always a good question. I do hang out at my bars quite a bit um, because when I do go out, you know, I like to go see my see my staff and be present. You know, I'm not going there to micromanage. I truly, I truly enjoy mm-hmm. my staff and many of them have become very dear friends. So I like to actually show up and be like, Hey, I'm still around, you know, just cause you didn't see me at 10 AM this morning. doesn't mean that, you know, I'm still here, but so I like going supporting mm-hmm. them, but uh, go out here on the street. I kind of like going down to, uh, if I want to hide from one of my bars, maybe crowbar is one of my go-tos just to, kind of hide at the end of the bar and drink some beers and chat with the bartenders down there. I've always loved Crowbar. I love that classic shotgun bar that they do there. Um, mm-hmm. Other places for like beer, I, Goose Halloween has always been one of my favorite, if not my favorite bar in the city. Uh, rest in peace, Bud Clark. You know what, what he did around there with Goose Hollow and his family is really cool spot. And I've been going there since I was 21. And when I was just visiting up in Portland, I go, I go there, uh, just get dropped off there in the afternoon, you know, read all the textbooks that I needed to read for school when I was going part-time to community college down in Eugene and sit there and drink like two pitchers of beer until I couldn't read anymore. And then just hang out and play cards or do whatever. I, I love going down there and I, I still love going there. If I'm ever in that neighborhood, I, you know, driving down Jefferson or in the Goose Hollow general area, I'll at least stop in to have a beer and say hello. I, I love that spot. Uh, where else do I like? Oh, some part- what about food? What about food? I ha- one more cocktail bar. I have been uh, visiting uh, Pacific Standard quite a bit recently. Those boys are old, old dear friends of mine. So I love what mm-hmm. I love what Morgenthaler and Banjo are doing over there. Uh, so they've been doing a great job. Where is that? Where is that? That's in the Kex Hotel. Uh, it's oh, okay. Right on All the right. east yes, side, yes. whatever, uh, whatever that would be, uh, Grand and Cooch. Yeah, I mm-hmm. uh, yeah, really cool spot. Uh, food. Oh, one place. I'm a sandwich guy. Always for lunch. Like I always want sandwiches. A place I've been addicted to uh, recently is Pasture, up on Alberta. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've been there yet, but on Fort. I was. I had plans to go, but they were thwarted somewhere. Yeah, that happens. But yeah, they're, what they're doing there, their sandwiches are just every time you read the menu, it's like, all right, that sounds kind of good. You know, I bet you that will be tasty. And then you bite into it and you're like, holy crap, that was next level good. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And that's that's quite a bit to say for a sandwich when someone, but that's where we are, you know, in the when you make it with uh, love, food has evolved. <laughs> yeah. When you make it with love, but also, you know, I go back. Uh, the sandwich for me was a roast beef sandwich with butter on an actual hard roll <laughs> from the East Coast, which we don't. And that's and with salt and pepper. That's what I was like. But I've gotten used to a lot of slaws and uh, you know things to enhance sandwiches. <laughs> uh, at first, I kind of resisted it, but uh, same thing with burgers. Just give me a straight up burger. Yeah. But at any rate, and don't great. sleep on the burger so, at Pasture. It it is phenomenal as well. Uh, I would imagine if you do great sandwiches, you need to do. You can't slack on the burger. No, you, cer- you certainly can't. You know, I, that's where I go for sandwiches. If I'm not over by Stompers, then I'm going to Taste Tickler. That's my other go-to sandwich in town. Where Taste Tickler? Oh, that sounds like a porn <laughs> shop. It certainly does. You're not the only one to have that response. I can't believe you've never heard of Taste Tickler. I haven't heard of it. You know, I also, it's hard for me to believe. I don't know if it's the pandemic or my age, but there are a lot of places now that I should have heard of that I haven't. And I'm 
I used to consider myself fairly connected, and sometimes I wonder oh. now how connected I am. But that stands to reason. I have this podcast, so I stay connected in that way. I'm, I haven't done a Portland Food Adventures event in three years, so that's got to happen again at some point. Right and I moved out to Manzanita, so lost a bunch of weight <laughs> out here. You wouldn't look at me. You wouldn't look at me and say, "Wow, he did lose weight." So, but. Anyway, that's why, and we're not here to talk about me, but I get, I do marvel at what I don't know now. Um, there's always places I hear about that I haven't heard about. I'm really before. excited uh, uh, that Notoguro has been doing uh, pop-ups again. I got a reservation uh, next week. I, I, have, you been, have you been to uh, Notoguro when they had that brick and mortar? Yeah, well, yeah, I went to that, but they're... Uh, I didn't know they were doing it right now. I thought they were starting up again in January. Yeah, they released um, some tickets for November, and they also released tickets for uh, December. Just what what Ryan what okay. Ryan and Elena do over there is truly oh, they're they're incredible. That's a special dining experience. One of my favorite meals in the city for sure. It is, and they are absolutely wonderful oh, people. Sweetest. It's crazy that we're discussing this because two or three weeks ago they came over and hung out on my oh, deck. Nice. And I didn't know they, they didn't tell me they were going to start that up. We weren't talking about their stuff. We were talking about everything else. But anyway, they're just great people. So it's good to know. I had written them about getting something going in January. So yeah, I'm pumped for them. Um, I did have a nice, I did have yeah. a nice uh, birthday meal at Dolly Olive uh, last week. Just last week was my birthday. So happy birthday. Was it also, wasn't it also the anniversary of Prost yeah, as yeah, well? Yeah. Yeah. Prost was the 28th. And uh, I'm Guy Fox Day, which is November 5th. So a week after. Yeah. All right. Well, happy so birthday. A, how, can I ask it, how many it, it is now? That makes 43 for me. Thir- thir- oh, man. You're in the sweet spot. I, 13 for pros, 43 for me. Yeah, it was quite quite an opening week. We opened up pros on the 28th of October. And then a, a week later, it was my 30th birthday. So. Snuck it in when I was 29, opening up that silly little bar. How do the 40s feel for you? Uh, A little bit more tired now, and I'm even worse at skiing, you know, now. Uh, Other than that, man, my 40s have been great. I've had great opportunities. Again, I got a great team around me. So while I own a handful of bars around here, people are always like, oh, man, you must be so busy. I'm like, yes and no. yeah, no, if you put good people. And so kids, no, no, no kids. kids, nothing. Well, there you go. That's what. That's why you don't have gray hair. That explains <laughs> I, it. I just got like a hundred of them, but they're my employees. Oh, I thought you meant the gray hair. Oh, the the hundred gray hairs. Yeah. No, you have a few, but not, not enough. So, um, but that's good. Employees are enough to keep after. But the nice thing about, yeah, the, it's, a, it's a little different I, situation. I so. Raising I employees. Dog. What do you have for dog? Lab husky and pit mix. She's a gorgeous little blonde. She's got these husky blue blue eyes that are barely even blue. They're more silver than they are blue. But she's a great little uh, partner. You know, hanging out, going to the bars, or going skiing. She always goes with me. Always hanging out. She's asleep on the couch in the other room. She's apparently not bothered by my talking. I can relate to that too. So, um, uh, you know, dogs have always been very, very, I've been very tired. I guess I did. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Pardon? No. Go oh, ahead. I was going to say that I, you know, I did, you know, omit the fact that we opened up a pro out in Bend. Did you know that? Did I tell you that? No. I didn't know that. I probably yeah. read that, but I you just. You should read don't, the blogs a little I, bit I don't more or something. Recall. Yeah, I didn't know. Here's the thing. I can read it. And if it was over a month ago, you know, it, it's catch as catch can if I actually remember <laughs> that I read that. So, yeah, we opened up a, we opened um, up a Prost out there that's a little bit kind of a hybrid between uh, Prost and Stomptish. So we got a little bit more of a sophisticated menu. Uh, Good. That place is growing pretty yeah, rapidly. Yeah. Gorm um, just opened up there. Got to go check out RBC. It's really delicious out there. Oh, I was going to ask you. I generally don't ask people when I don't know the answer because you don't oh, know what sure. you're going to get. But no, I've been to RBC oh, nice. and I just, 
I am so happy to see John behind, um, you know, right there with a big smile yeah, on his face. There's uh, no place that make, makes great. him happier the, than uh, working that line. Right, exactly. And then to see Renee there and then also Garrett Peck doing his thing. It's yeah, a pretty, Garrett's, Garrett's great. It's a, and it's a beautiful restaurant. The food's great. So, yes. I have been, and you're in good company out in Bend. I think there's so many great things going yeah. on. I'm just there. happy that John, so, you know, open with RBC open, gave me another uh, really great dining option out there. There's a handful of really good restaurants out there, but you know, then then it gets uh, down to like brewery pub fare pretty quickly. But uh, having right. the option to go to a uh, a Gorham restaurant, you know, you're going to get some flavorful food. I think so, and the options are fewer and far further between now. If you're in Portland, sure. so you got to travel a little bit. So, um, but it's good that it's just great to see him, um, see them doing so Absolutely. well down there. Um, well, listen, Dan, I really appreciate the time that you devoted this morning um, to do this. We had a couple of little technical problems, which is par for the course. <laughs> And thank you for navigating those and, and being Most, here Mostly just my so, user error, but, you know, we got to the bottom of it anyway. No, it shouldn't. It should be easy. But at any rate, thank Chris, you so much. Chris, I really uh, appreciate you having me, man, and uh, good chatting with you. And pleasure to meet you next time you're uh, back in the big city. You know, if you can get out of your freezing house in Manzanita, maybe we can uh, grab a beer over here. Oh. Uh, listen, here's the thing. I have to. We have to arrange. We have to do that because I don't just hang around and go. Hey, I'm around. Let me call Dan right now. I I'll come in to do that. So I'm always. A, I'm I'll always a, available for a beer, my friend. <laughs> 